pray that your word will move powerfully this morning and that you will be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so if you can make your way to your seats, that'll be great. Okay. All right. We're going to see if the gazebo is tall enough for Mike. Okay. All right, so... It's great to have things a bit different, eh? Different perspective. I know we're blessed with a great venue. And uh, Yohandre has got something to just mention this quickly. Morning, guys. Um, where, where's the teens? Can you put your hands up? The teens, there. Okay. So, and yeah, yeah. So this morning, we were supposed to not go out because we're already out, but go and have uh, our own meeting but we decided to swap this Sunday and next Sunday around for one reason and that is because Mike is with us and where's Mike Mike is with us and Mike is a great teacher and so I don't want you guys to sit and on your phones or busy with something else I want you guys actually to listen because there will be a, a questionnaire and an exam next week on this breach yes the moms are cheering all right. <laughs> I'm joking. They won't be, but I want you guys to listen, please. All right. We're all going to listen. Thanks, Yandre. Um, all right. So, are you guys ready? Have you got your seatbelts on? Okay. All right. So, um, I've asked uh, Roland to introduce Mike to you this morning. Mike doesn't know me, but I know Mike because I've sat under many of his teachings and on his video teachings. So, so I feel like I know him, <laughs> but I'm going to ask Roland to. First of all, Johandre, I'm preaching next week. It's more important to be here. <laughs> it's wonderful to have Mike and AD. Wave your hand, AD, with us today. Um, Mike, I've got to know over the last eight, over eight years now, just over eight years, and I've got to know him as a as a friend sometimes, um, and other times. <laughs> no, we really have. I've 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 enjoyed getting to know Mike. Maybe not as closely over this last COVID period, but um, before that, we really we were friends, and it's wonderful to have Mike and Eddie with us today. They were leading uh, Joshua in Wellington until not so long ago. And uh, they've been brought out of leading Wellington, and we don't know what they're doing now, but neither do they. <laughs> uh, Mike is the, the dean of TMT, and uh, he's also part of Andrew's uh, translocal team, mainly in Josh Jen, is that right? Mike? Yeah, uh, Josh Jen and 412. There's no boundary fences for Mike, and so... It's with that I want to ask you guys to open your hearts this morning. Mark is a real gift to the body in terms of teaching. And uh, if you will open your ears, uh, God will plant stuff in there today that you will be able to carry into the future with you. Amen. Well, um, good morning to you all. I hope, I think I can see most of you behind trees and uh, coming through there, but it really, really is a it's awesome for us to be. It's the first time that my wife and I have been with you in Brackenfell. Uh, so we've got friends from Brackenfell, and uh, one of our students comes from Brackenfell, Jenna. And she's amazing. She's such a delight. Um, I don't know how many of you know Jenna. I think most of you would know Jenna. She's, uh, yeah, what an amazing young lady. I was like, man, if, Jenna, if Jenna's like that, I can't imagine what the rest of that church is like. Um, they must be awesome. And so, um, yeah, we've absolutely loved Jenna. Oh, there you guys are. You don't want to come sit that side, so I don't have to see your, your, your backs. Are you okay there? All right. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, you're going to watch them. Um, and so this morning, um, yeah, maybe just to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm, I'm married to one wife, and uh, a wife, um, my lovely wife, she's from, I think we've been married now in January, 24 years. We've got three kids. Our oldest daughter is 21. 
Uh, and she's actually living in Sunningdale. She's studying teaching and she's interning at the moment for Josh Jen, doing an internship. As well as I've got a middle daughter who's just finish, finishing up matric, who's moving and studying next year all the way. I can't believe this, but she's going to Bloemfontein and um, wanting to study in Bloom. And so I don't know if any of you come from Bloom, but we, we normally, we, we love the, the folk from the Free State. Um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, she's off to Bloom, and then I've got a younger son, and um, he's 14 years old, Daniel. And so, yeah, it's really d delightful to be with you. I come from a, a French background, and so my surname is Dauphé. And being from a French background, growing up in South Africa was quite difficult, because my Afrikaans was nie by goed nie. And, um, and the Lord's sense of humor, obviously, we, we came down in 1999 from Port Elizabeth to help uh, join Andrew with the church plant. So we were part of Josh Jen from the first few, about two months in, we were part of the church plant. And then uh, we, we planted a church in Oatsorn um, uh, in end of 2004 um, called River of Life Church. We were planted out and we led that. So in the small Afrikaans town, and daar ek het begin om Afrikaans te praat. But not very well. And so we were in English church in an Afrikaans town, and God was very faithful. He really blessed that. He grew us. And you know, I want to encourage you that when you go somewhere, if you're going on an outreach, um, you know, often our culture in Just Gen is that we send teams often to different churches and we do outreaches in different cities and towns and areas. And if you go somewhere, you're always going to grow. You're always going to go and be stretched. And often you're the one that's changed the most if you can go out. Even if you just go into a different context, it changes something in you. And we found that. We were there for six years and then we moved back to Cape Town, Andrew asked us to come back, and in 2010, we moved to a place called Edgemead in Cape Town, and we were involved in helping to tra transition Will Marais Church, actually, into Josh Jen, and so Eddie and I came down, and we led that, and we were involved in that for about six years as well, and then we moved to Wellington, and uh, here we've been in Wellington for the last five and a half years, um, six years. There's a lot of fives and sixes in there. Anyway, I'd like to pray for you this morning, and, um, and I want to share something with you this morning. Just as, as I prayed, I wanted to share something with you on the love of God, actually, and our love that we call to have for one another, a sincere kind of love. And, um, and I'd like to pray for you as we start, and so let's pray. Yes, Lord. Lord, we do invite you here, Holy Spirit, this morning, and... Um, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and illuminate to us the person of Jesus and reveal to us just the character of God and show us your ways this morning, Lord. Show us, Lord, at times where your ways get dulled to us, where sometimes, Lord, we don't always see your ways or we forget your ways. We, sh we should know. I pray this morning that you'd come, Lord, and you'd remind us of your ways. Remind us, Lord, of how your family works, of what it means to be part of this family, this wonderful family of God where we love each other, even with all our, our faults and our, and our cracks and our weaknesses and our sins. And Lord, you call us to love one another, even as you've loved us. And we pray this morning for just such a sense of the love of God. Um, Lord, we thank you that we've been able to sing of the greatness of God this morning, that we've been able to lift up your name and say how great is our God. But Lord, we pray as well that you'd, even as we sing of your greatness, that we get a sense of your goodness, of your love, even as, as in a revelation of your love poured out for us even as you just look, Lord, of, of this wonder of what you've done in our lives. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we just ask, Lord, just for you to come and be poured out upon us in Jesus' name. Be poured out, Lord. Would you refresh every soul? I know it's been a long year. It's been a busy year. But, Lord, would you come and refresh this morning that we'd be able to drink of you and be washed in the water of the word. That, Lord, as we read your word, it wouldn't be so much just getting information. But, Lord, we'd be able to meet the author of the word. To see you this morning. To encounter you, O oh God. And I pray that maybe if there's some here this morning that are jaded or just even have lost sight of the wonder of their own salvation. And the wonder of you. That you would come and refresh and encourage us and sharpen our vision again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, fantastic. So what I want to do is I want us to look at a scripture together. And it's a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2. And 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter's towards the end of your Bible. And so you can turn with me. I know 
be, wouldn't be helpful looking on a screen, but I'll read it to you. If you've got your Bible, you can open, or even on your phone, you can do that. And we're going to look at a scripture together, really two little verses. And that's all I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack two small verses with you and focus in on, on, on an aspect of something that, um, that I feel for you. So as, let's read about this together. And it says this in 1 Peter 1 verse 22. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the abiding word of God. Okay, And this scripture can be a little bit of a, a mouthful, but con- you know, how does this work? But I want us to focus on one thing right now, which is he says that there's an evidence that if you're someone that is born again, and he uses that little phrase, born again, and, and most of us know what that means. It means that when you become a Christian and God makes you new, he gives you a new heart, and you, you have God living inside of you, you're born again. And, um, and he says here that, that you've been born again, and he gives kind of a list of things in a sense that describes what it is for someone to be born again, almost some characteristics to show, like evidence to show that you've been born again. He does that in the first part, and then he kind of explains, therefore, because you've been born again. And, you know, uh, this phrase, born again, when I was young, uh, I grew up in a church that didn't know about being born again, that term, being born again. Um, I always thought that born again people were these weird, crazy, charismatic, like you just avoid those people because they're extreme. And I grew up in the Catholic church where, you know, you've got the priest, you call him father, and he's dressed up like a mother, um, got a long robe. Uh, and, and kind of the priest is, and it was very conservative, it was very traditional. There was nothing of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, nothing of, when we heard about things like speaking in tongues, being born again, that was just weird. And we stayed far away from that. And we had no idea that this was stuff that actually Jesus spoke about. No, no idea that this was things in the Bible. And so um, when I actually got born again, when I was 17, I gave my life to Christ and surrendered to him. At that time, I went to university. And in the class that I was in, um, I was by that stage on fire for Jesus. I was so passionate for him, wanted to serve him. And there was a young guy in class with me. Um, I remember his name clearly. His name was Saul. And, um, and Saul... We were talking, and I was telling him about me being a Christian. And, he, and I said to him, so are you, are you a Christian? And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a Christian, but I'm just not one of those born-again types. And so he had, I realized, like, man, he, for him, the term born-again was unhelpful because I'm not one of those radical types. I'm just someone that, because my parents, I went to church, my parents went to church, you know, exocratic men's, and I went, and therefore now I'm, I, I'm that, but I'm not a born-again Christian. But when the Bible speaks about what it means to be a Christian, there's only one type of Christian, which is the born-again Christian. There's only one type. It's someone that's been made new. It's someone that is living flat out for God. Uh, it's, it's the same as, you know, there's no two types. It's not like a disciple and then a normal Christian. Is that if you're a follower of Christ, everyone is a disciple. Just the question is, do you follow hard or do you follow from a distance? And so as, as Peter writes here and explains about being born again and, and being born again into this life. I want to say, and I just want to remind us as I, as I go into this thing, that being born again is not from becoming, and, and maybe you know this, so if you do, please just uh, bear with me, but being born again is not from, becoming a, from being a bad person, and now, okay, I've been bad, and now I'm going to become better, 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 and now I'm good. Now I'm a good person. That's not being born again. Being born again is when you're dead. The Bible says, Ephesians 2, in your sins, and you've been made alive. And it's a process from death to life. And that's why in God's kingdom, we have to be born again. We have to be made new because you are dead. And if you don't understand that we were dead, then you can't understand that we'd be made alive. We have to understand that, that, that we, we, we have been resurrected. And so if you are witnessing to someone, if you've got a friend or a family member who's not a Christian, we can't try and, and change their morals or change their outward behavior. That doesn't help anyone. God is interested in transforming us from the inside out, from a hard heart to a soft heart. God's interested in taking a human life and making us new, and then learning how to live as new people, right? Not as 
as good people, but as new people, as people that have been, 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 been transformed by the Holy Spirit from the inside out. And when, when Peter writes, he's writing with that understanding. He's writing with a sense that you've been made new. And then what he says is, and I'd like us to look at this quickly, and then, and then dive in, is he says this in verse 22. He says, you've been born again. And he uses this little phrase. It's quite unusual. He says, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. In other words, not something that's going to corrupt or going to get rotten. It's something that's going to hold forever. And he says, it's, this is the seed. It's the living and the abiding word of God. And he uses that phrase, the living and abiding word of God. And now when we think of the, the word of God, what do you think of? What do you think of? So, the Bible? The living and the abiding word of God. He's not speaking about the Bible here. Okay? He's speaking about, and let's look at verse 25, because he tells us further down. He says, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And he says, this word is the good news that was what does he say? Preached to you. And so the word that makes us born again is not just the Bible. We thank God that he's given us the word. This is the incorruptible word of God. But he actually does it through a message. He does it through you hearing the good news that you were once a sinner, now that you, you can be saved. And that God loves you at your worst, and he comes as the rightful king of the heavens and the earth to save you. It's a message that we hear Sometimes we can read about it, but most often we hear about it through a friend, we hear about it at church, and that message saves us. And that's what he's speaking about here, um, about the message, this, this message of the gospel. And that's why, friends, I want to say to you this, it's so important that if you've got a, an, you know, one of the big things in Josh Jen right now is evangelism. Uh, for those of you that were at the gathering, Andrew's emphasis, he felt for us, is for us in a sense, to know how to reach people that aren't Christians. You know, I mean, how many of us have, and we, we, we struggle with this because it's something difficult for us of how do we reach someone who's not a Christian? How do we, how do we explain to them the gospel? How do we learn how to, how to influence them and love them? And, and, and one way is to bring them to church. But I want to ask you is that do you know how to bring the living word of God? In other words, to communicate something through your mouth not just because you give them something to read, but actually you communicate. And sometimes people will only hear the message, the word, through your message, through your mouth. And, and I encourage you to learn how to do that well, because sometimes you're the only word that someone might ever read. You know, some, some people might never get to read this word of God, but you're the living epistle. And they can learn through your own life the word of God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This is so important, friends. And, uh, you know, when, we, when I was a young Christian, w w one thing we used to do, um, we used to have these tracks. When I was, this is like 1991, 92. This is a long time ago. Um, and in 1992, we used to drive around. Um, this friend of mine, Kevin Smith, he's, the, he's now the dean of SATS, the, this big institution in South Africa. And Kevin and I would drive around in Port Elizabeth. He had this little red car. And we used to keep these gospel tracks, these little pieces of paper, in the um, cubby hole of the car. And what we do is we drive around Port Elizabeth to try and find hitchhikers to pick up. And when we picked them up, we'd, they'd get in the back seat and we'd give them a tract. We, that's how we used to witness. We'd drive around PE finding hitchhikers. That sounds creepy, I know. Okay? And then Kevin would drive really fast to like scare, scare the hell out of them, so to speak. Scare them into heaven. No, he wouldn't do that. But and then, then we'd give them this tract. And what we'd do, then we'd, we'd, do, we'd walk on the beach and we'd want to you know, speak to people about the Lord. And it, I always had these tracks in my pocket. And I'd give them. And the one time, we met this guy on the beachfront. Um, and we gave him this tract, uh, this piece of paper that, that tells you about the gospel and how to get saved and the scriptures, you know, all that. And he said to me, he, he, he took the tract and he looked me in the eyes. And he said to me, but tell me how I can become a Christian. And I realized I actually didn't know what to say. I was like, um, well, you see, um, well, read the tract. <laughs> and I realized there afterwards, I was like, God, I've missed an opportunity to learn how to give a defense for the hope that is within me. And I'm relying on a piece of paper. Or I'm relying on bringing them to church. Or That's wonderful. 
But actually, to be born again and learning how to articulate that means that you and I learn how to give a defense. We know how to bring the living word of God, so to speak. Because people are saved when we bring it, when we speak it, when we can share what God has done in our lives. Then use the gospel, this good news, and learn how to articulate that. Amen? And I want to encourage you in that, friends. Do you know how to do that? Um, Because God would want us to learn these things. Um, if you haven't, maybe even helpful to do an evangelism. Maybe you've been doing that. Like learn how to share the gospel. You know, here are four steps to know what the gospel is and how to share it. Um, I think these are things we need refreshes in time and time again. So what Paul does, so let's carry on with, with Peter. So he speaks here about, let me just get some water. So, so what he does is he speaks about being born again. Then what he does is in the beginning, though, he speaks about the, the, the fruit of being born again. And he says here, let's have a look in verse 21. I told you this morning I'm just preaching from the Bible. Um, and so hopefully at the end of the day, you're not going to remember what I say. or you'll remember what, what the Word says um, as, I, as I pointed to it. And he says this. He says, and he gives some evidence of being born again, being made new. And he says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And the first evidence of being born again is that you've got a desire to obey God. You've got an obedience to the truth, a desire to obey the truth. And, you know, that's one of the very important evidences to show that you're a Christian. If you don't desire to love God and hate sin, well then, are you a Christian? Are you born again? And I would say you wouldn't have any assurance that you're saved if you don't want to obey him. And so that's the first thing. And then let's go on to the second thing. The second thing, an evidence of almost of having a pure heart, of having a new heart. Look what he says here. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And then he says, for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again. And so he says here that the other sign, in a sense, of being born again is that you, you know how to love one another. And you've learned how to, how to, in you, your nature's changed, where now, with other Christians, you're drawn to them. Even though you might not know each other well. I know some of you are fa- you know each other very well. But it's like you're drawn to people that are in Christ, and you learn how to love one another. And what he does, and this is what I want to do, is I want to pick out two things this morning on this. Is he says this, that we love one another, and he says with a sincere, brotherly love. Okay? And I want to unpack that. I want to mention the first thing is he says here, have a brotherly love. And you know, the New Testament speaks quite a lot about this term, brotherly love. Um, I think some of you who have been saved for a long period of time, you might know these different words in the Bible for love. In the New Testament, there's different Greek words that are given for love. There's kind of um, gets used. But one of the words for love, which is agapeo, which speaks about God's kind of love given to you. That's often one of the words used. But this is not speaking about God's kind of love. It uses a different Greek word. And it's the word, if you've been to America, the city Philadelphia. That's what the word is, Philadelphia. And it means brotherly love. Um, And so um, to love one another from a brotherly way. And the thing is this, he's trying to say here, is that if you get into all those kind of Greek words and all that type of thing, you'll find that they often overlap. And uh, what you find is that you find that because those Greek words often get used together in the same sentence, where, for example, it says, if you've got God's love, you're going to love one another. Um, and it, it crosses over those kinds of things. But what it does is here he says that this word Philadelphia, this love one another with brotherly affection, is this idea of, of a love that is not just the way I love God, but the way that I love you and the way that you love one another. And it's a family kind of love. You know, how many of you have got a family where you've got a big family? You've got Brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, cousins, you know, you're, big, you're like a big Italian family. Uncle Luigi and, you know, you know, Auntie Maria. And then you've got like uncles, you know, you've got the whole, and Josh Jen's a bit like that, actually. If, you, if you've been Josh Jen for a while, we're not like a, a very traditional, safe family in a sense, like one mom, one dad, one daughter, one son, you know, like a little nuclear English family because the English have their very set family. We're like an Italian family. But if you come into Josh Jen, you know, like, hey, there's Uncle Mike has come to preach, you know. And, uh, and then another Sunday, it's in Roland, and then it's Andrew's come. Oh, who's this guy? And then we had a gathering, like with all the cousins, so to speak. 
Uh, you think, what? Okay, we're not a cult, don't worry. But kind of, we, we, we're part of this family of God, and, and we found that when we moved to Edgemead, that Edgemead was a very safe, uh, there wasn't much movement or change in that church because they had, you know, had one leader, Will, for many years, and suddenly Josh Jen, they were Josh Jen congregation, and suddenly they had this influx of all these people coming into the church and being part of what God was doing and joining uh, Edgemead. And, and it was just crazy. And I think for many people that weren't used to this kind of wild, expressive love for one another, it was quite difficult. And, um, and, but yet God's love is a brotherly love. It's a love in a sense where it speaks about something of how we live as a family together. And it's something practical. It's often the way that we learn how to show hospitality. And so when the New Testament speaks about brotherly love, you could do a study on your own on this. You find that brotherly love is often accompanied, in, like Romans 12 speaks about that, Hebrews 13, is often accompanied by hospitality, which is very practical. That if you truly love one another, you open up your home to one another, and you open up your lives to one another in in a sense, in accountability, in a saying, not as a formal thing, but as a heartfelt saying, my life is yours, not just my fridge, but I want to open up my life to you. And so brotherly love is often connected with hospitality. Um, one of the things I find, I've been part of the church now for, how long has it been? About 30 years. I've been a member of two churches my entire life. One church in Port Elizabeth that I got saved into for about eight, nine years. And then we were planted out and we went to Josh Jen. I've been part of two churches my whole life. Oh, then, and then the church we led in, in Oatsorn, three churches, River of Life. And in those churches, I want to say that I've, we've had the privilege of experiencing a people that, that love me for who I am. And that's the most deepest joy, friends, that we have actually as Christians. Be part of a group of people that truly love one another with all your weaknesses. And even with all your cracks and all your mistakes, they love you anyway. And to be part of that, that kind of spiritual family that's growing and, and, and caring for one another is the sweetest thing that you could experience actually on this side of eternity. If you want something sweeter, you would have to die and go to be with the Lord. The sweetest thing is to be part of a fellowship of people that, that where you love me and I love you, and we think the best of one another. And love covers over where we find belonging, where we find identity, where we find acceptance, where we find purpose. And we move forward together in, in God's kingdom. And um, it's profound to have this. You know, there's an old saying. Um, I want to read it to you. It's an old, um, the old Tate family joke. I've, I've, I've shared this before in other places. So if you've heard this, it's a good reminder. Where we to love one another even with brotherly love, with our faults. And this is the old Tate family joke. It says this, If you've been part of church life for any period of time, you would know that you're part of the Tate family. There is old man Dictate who wants to run everything, while Uncle Rotate tries to change everything. There's sister Agitate who stirs up plenty of trouble with help from her husband, irritate. <laughs> Whenever new projects are suggested, hesitate, and his wife, vegetate, want to wait until next year. Devastate provides the voice of doom, while potentate wants to be the big shot. But not all members of the family are bad. Brother facilitate is quite helpful in church matters. Cousins cogitate and meditate Always think things over and lend helpful, steady hands. And of course, there's the black sheep of the family, amputate, who has completely cut himself off from the church. And it's, just, it's a really silly kind of little thing. But what I love about this is it shows that, you know, friends, in each of us, because the Bible says that we've got something called a sinful nature, that while we're to put to death, we're in Christ, we know we put these things to death, but we've got parts of the, the Tate family gene, that while we are church, we have to learn to love one another. And brotherly love is this idea that I'm going to learn to cover over your sins because at, at times there's parts of the Tate family in you where you, in love, irritate one another, where we frustrate each other, where we have to learn to actually say, ah, I love you anyway, even though at times we don't always get it right. 
And one of the things we have to break with church family is this idealistic picture that when we think of church, we think of a group of saints that never sin, a group of saints who have it all together, and somehow we, because you're born again, oh, you know, we just love one another automatically, and we never get offended by one another. Friends, conflict happens in church life, and that is why Peter is so strong here to say to them, but love one another, and he uses a very strong phrase. He says, earnestly, from a pure heart, love one another. Because at times, it requires us to consider one another and to really think the best of each other like a normal family. You know, we all here are part of a real family where there's conflict. And you have to learn to forgive. You learn to think the best. And that's one of the reasons why the Bible stresses it so much. And friends, when we do, this is the wonder of the gospel. That when unbelievers are among you, or those that are maybe not born again, or they're looking into church life, and they see you loving one another, they go, but surely God is among you. The fact that you're so different, the fact that you come from such different backgrounds, and that you would still love one another in the Lord, there must be a God. And that's why we think of scriptures like John 13, where Jesus says, but this is how the world may know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Not the way that your worship team performs or the way that you speak in tongues. And those things are important. But it's the way you love one another. And every time you learn to think the best, every time there's conflict and you resolve it and you forgive one another, friends, it is a witness to people around us of the gospel. It's evangelism 101, actually, that takes place. Amen? And so what he does is he speaks about love one another with brotherly love. But then what he does is he uses this term before brotherly love. He says, sincere brotherly love. And, he, and he's very specific about using that word sincere. And um, that word sincere, how many of you think, you know, if you think, okay, I'm a sincere person. What does that mean to be sincere? Sometimes that word gets translated as genuine. And what it means, it means literally somebody, uh, the, the, the word speaks about someone who doesn't have a mask on. No, <laughs> in terms of uh, that you play acting. And the word was used of someone in the ancient world that was an actor. And when they would put on plays in the Greek and w Roman world, they'd often put on these plays where they would have these masks. And they would, you know, act it out with these masks in front of them because they'd be acting as a different, in a different role. You know, and, and he's saying, but if you're in the church, you're not an actor. You're not playing. You're not trying to pretend you're one person on a Sunday and on Wednesday night or with Christians, and then suddenly you've got your non-Christian face and you've got your Christian face, you know? It's like we all like got our Christian smile. And then when you're away, it's like, you know, you're just kind of back to yourself again. No, 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 no. He says when you love one another, you love one another without pretense, without, without any, anything covering one another. And the word, when it was translated into Latin, this word sincere, it's interesting what, uh, I'm going to explain this to you because it's very, very helpful for me anyway. It was very helpful. And he said that this, this word sincere comes from a Latin word. That's our English word now. It comes from a Latin word sine sire, which means without wax. That's what the, the word means, without wax, in, in our English, sincere. What does that mean? And what it, it happened is this word came from... Roman days, when in Roman times, Roman artists used to create these magnificent sculptures of marble. And so they would make these marble sculptures, often of, of human bodies, of human figures, you know, in beautiful poses. And the, the sculptor, the artist, what he would do is he would create the masterpiece. He would create the sculpture, and he'd chip it away out of, out of marble. He'd chip it away. He would... He had to kind of cut this thing and chip it, chip it, chip it. And he'd make this beautiful art piece. And then what he did is he sold it to someone who was wealthy so they could put it in their garden. And as he did this, sometimes these artists, because they, you know, they weren't perfect, they, they made mistakes. And so sometimes if he was chipping at something and he might have chipped too much and it formed a crack maybe in, in, in the sculptures, you know, in the torso of the, of, of the figure. And so what he did is he would take wax 
and you would take his wax and you would cover over the crack with wax. You'd cover over it, and then he would sell it to the person who bought it. And as he sold it to them, he would then just give it to them. And now if the person was a deceptive artist, he wouldn't tell the owner that the sculpture had wax on it. He wouldn't tell them. He would just sell it to them. And over time, because the wax would stand, the, the sculpture would stand in the sun, the wax would melt. And that person would see the crack and say, oh, he sold me a dud. Because now there's cracks all over it and you patched it up with wax. And so, but at that stage, the artist had run away and he had taken the money and he had kind of, so what they did is that the artist used to chip a little engraving at the bottom of the sculpture that would say, sine sere, this sculpture is without wax. In other words, when I'm giving you this piece of art, I'm giving it to you cracks and all. You're going to see every fault in this thing, and I'm selling it to you as it is. I'm not going to cover over the mistakes that I've made. And in a sense, I love that word because it describes the kind of love that, and the kind of posture that we call to have with one another. It's this idea that my love towards you is sincere. In other words, it's without cracks. It's without pretense. It's what you see is what you get. And as we're part of the family of God, it's like we learn how to love one another even with our cracks. But the thing is this, friends, is that sometimes if we're honest, it's quite a shameful thing to, if, if people really get to know us for who we are. Because we're scared of being rejected. We're like, will they love me even if I have my mistakes and my cracks? Will they love me even if they know some of the things that I've done? And, and it's shameful. Even it's covered by the blood of Jesus. But, but, but if they really know part of what I'm like. And friends, when we learn to open up our lives in transparency and accountability, that is when the power of God breaks in over our lives and we find freedom from sin and breakthrough. Um, and I want to close just with a story of, uh, on this um, of a friend that I, I've got in Edgemead. Uh, okay, I won't say, I wasn't say where it was. Anyway, this guy's in a congregation. Okay. Yeah, I said it, Edgemead. Okay. And uh, he was a, he's a friend of mine. And um, he had been an elder, well, it's kind of public knowledge anyway, because as I share the story, you'll hear. And this friend of mine uh, was an elder on the team with us in Edgemead. He had been serving as an elder in the church for many, many years. Um, he was a man, he's a man of, of good reputation. He's a man of character, of honor. He's a man for many years that he's, he's raised up children that love the Lord. He's got a good marriage. And... Um, <laughs> And, and with this guy, um, what he did was um, he had been struggling over a long period of time uh, with, with just certain things and issues that he'd been struggling with. And he hadn't actually, he'd shared some of it with us. In fact, he had shared it with us. But he was in a, a stage of deep frustration in his life. He had lost his job um, for months and months. He was just struggling in the Lord, really struggling in his faith. And in that place, um, him and his wife one evening had an argument. And they were arguing over something trivial. It was literally like there was a piece of chocolate next to his bed that I think his son and his daughter had eaten the chocolate. And he was, he got, and he was so frustrated as it was. He was like, you just took my chocolate. It was a gift for me. And, you know, and they started kind of arguing over this piece of chocolate. Um, some of us laugh because we know that's life, right? And, and he had a moment of frustration. And he was drinking. A, he had a glass of water in his hand. And he had been drinking from this glass of water. Um, and his wife was getting changed. She was actually around the corner. There was like a, their room had a wall. And she was getting dressed around the corner. And, um, and he took this glass out of frustration. And it was just the buildup over many months of just felt like disappointment with God. Things that hadn't been answered. Just frustration. And he took the glass and he threw it against the wall out of frustration. He just, ah, and he threw it against the wall out of frustration, totally out of character from this man, this godly man. And a shard of glass um, broke, and well, as it broke, it shattered, and for somehow it got, somehow ricocheted around the corner, and it cut his wife on the, on, on the nose, cut her. And she had this big gash and started bleeding out the nose. And uh, she, shot, she screamed, ah, no, ah. And as she, as she did that, their son, who was then 22 at the time, came running into the room. What happened? What happened? And he saw his mom and he saw his dad on the floor weeping with this, this broken glass. Um, 
and just realizing what has he done? He didn't mean to hurt his wife or do anything like that. And so the son took his mom to hospital just to have a couple of stitches. It wasn't too bad, three or four stitches. And in that place, um, he phoned me, said, Mike, I've sinned. I've, I've, I'm disqualified as an elder. I can't, can't be a leader in the church. What have I done? I've hurt my wife. And he explained to me the whole story. And um, just, okay, it's all right, my friend. No, it's all right. Let's, let's deal with this. And, and so he, he kind of got through that. But what happened was they started, as they came to church that Sunday, um, she obviously had a, because of just the, the impact, she had a bit of a blue eye and she had a kind of a plaster over her. And um, you, know, you know what guys are like to the guys, hey, what happened to your wife, you know? And they were kind of thinking, you know, because they know him so well, they know that he could have never done anything. Um, they might have hurt her anyway. And they said, oh, what happened? Did you, you know? And um, there was a bit of banter going on. And he, he just felt the shame of like, oh, but I have hurt my wife. I have disowned. I've, 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 I've lost my temper. And, but it, because we weren't sure how to deal with it at that point, we just said, okay, well, you know, you haven't sinned because you didn't intend to sin. But at the same time, it, she, it would be very helpful for you to stand up in front of the whole church and maybe just tell the church what happened. And I remember him just saying, he'd been an elder for like 20 years. He was saying, ah, ah, how can I do that? I'm, they're going to lose respect for me. I have to step down, you know. I said, but be that as it may. You need to bring it into the light. Be accountable. Just share with the whole church. You're an elder. You're a father in this house. And he struggled for like three weeks. He's like, okay, I want to. I want but I just, ah, I'm struggling with the shame of it. I'm scared people are going to reject me. And he was struggling with this. And we waited one week. We waited two weeks. And finally on the third week, he came to me and said he wants to come and he just wants to share with the whole church his own struggles and frustrations. And um, he stood up that Sunday morning and his wife stood next to him. And he shared the story of how he had lost his temper and how he had just you know, uninvertedly hurt his wife. And he just wept. He wept in front of the church. He just wept. He said, I've, I, fail. I feel like I'm a failure as a man of God. I feel like, and, and it was done in such a, transparent vulnerable way where in a sense he said here I am without here I am cracks at all you're seeing me for who I am uh, and I want to let you know because it's affected the body uh, he did this as an elder not because he was just a saint he did this in, as an elder and um, and he wept and he broke down and friends I want to say you know how the church responded that everyone there were like 250 people they stood up and the whole church kind of rallied around them just loved them hugged them covered them said we love you man we we thank you for your courage that you've spoken like this and it, it, if anything what it did it actually it validated him as a leader in the church because it was he, he was a man of integrity a man that was willing to own up to something and to actually be open and learning how to love in that space and you know the story for me is such an amazing story because it shows that what family is supposed to be and in, in some ways, that story, friends, is an extreme story because not meant, you know, we wouldn't want everyone to stand up and do that. Because he was an elder, it was different for him because he had a public ministry. But friends, the heart of it, that to one another, are we willing to love one another, cracks and all? That because we're born again from a pure heart, you know, that doesn't mean we're perfect. It means because you're born again is that you, God has begun a project in you. He's begun something that will one day com be completed. You have to work out your salvation. And then only when Jesus returns will be finally and fully perfect. Each of us is on a road where we need one another. And we need to strengthen and encourage one another. And as we do so, friends, growth happens. You're a witness to the community of the gospel where God has loved you in your cracks. The wonder of the gospel is that God loved me and you at our worst. And yet he came in his kindness and he forgave us and he loved us. And in that place, we can now love others because of the same. And so I'd like to pray for us this morning. And I, I, I want to just, it's a simple reminder. It's a very simple word. It's, it's, it's this, brothers and sisters, love one another earnestly from the heart. That's the word given to you because you're born again. Love one another sincerely. Love one another with your cracks. And don't be scared to show one another. Be vulnerable to one another. Be accountable to one another. Because Christianity is done best together, not on our own.
And so come, let's, let's pray together. Yes, Lord. I actually just want to pray for a first group of people here this morning. And if you hear, um, and maybe, you know, we're speaking about being born again. And, if, and for you, you're not sure this morning if you are born again. In other words, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe if you're honest, you know that God has not turned your heart from a hard heart to a soft heart. Maybe you've never turned away from your sins and you've, you've really put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to give you an opportunity. If there is anyone like that today, God wants to make you born again. Or maybe you're someone, I'm gonna, this is part of the same group, that you have known the Lord, but you've allowed your heart to get hardened. And, and, but you want to come back to Him. You're like the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter and you've squandered something of the Lord's inheritance, but you're coming back. And you want to respond to God this morning and you want to recommit your life. I want you where you are just to raise your hand and say, Mike, would you come and pr- would you pray for me? I, I, wanna, I want my sins to be forgiven. Is there anyone like that that you want to respond to God? I want to say, thank you, sir. At the back. Maybe just keep your hand up there, sir. Just keep your hand up. Oh, ma'am, sorry. I'm just trying to see. I can't see too clearly at the back. Is there anyone else that wants to respond this morning? You're not responding to man, you're responding to God. Because you know, maybe he's been chasing you for a long period of time, and you know today he has you. Can I ask just someone just to uh, uh, gather around that lady at the back, Patty, or to some of the leaders? And there's another young lady in front here who's just responded. Can I ask also just some folk just to just gather around this young lady here as well? And, you know, we do these things publicly because our confession is public. And we want to pray for them. Can we pray for them now, even as they've responded? And um, All right, just where you are, I'm going to pray for you both. And I just want to thank you for your raising your hand for, being, for doing that. And we're going to pray for you right now. Okay? And, um, yeah, let's pray for them. And I don't know where you're at and where you stayed, but I'll, maybe you can just pray after me. Can, can you both do that? Pray after me, both of you? Okay? Say... So, Father God, I come before you. And I want the rest of us pray as well together, just, just to maybe just encourage them. Father God, I come before you today. And I open up my heart to you. Lord, I want to turn away from my old life. And I want to turn towards you. And this morning, Lord God, I put my trust in you. I I choose to come to you in who I am. The worst parts of me, I come and I bring it to you. And I thank you that as I come to you this morning, that you draw me to you, that you forgive my sins, that you love me at my worst. And you loved me when I was an enemy. And I ask you, Lord, today to take out my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Give me a soft heart. I ask you today to come into my life and to be my Lord and afresh to be my Savior. Lord, I can't save myself. Only you can save me. And I put myself into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage that maybe, just that maybe straight afterwards we can pray and connect. And um, just want to say well done to both of you. Just well done. And while, I know there's some that might still want to pray, but, but what we're going to do is, I want for the rest of us to respond this morning as well. And, you know, to, to love one another in this kind of way, to live this kind of life, friends, is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot love one another earnestly 
if you don't have the empowered presence of the Holy Spirit. We need Him. And can we come and just, each of us, let's all stand together and just ask the Lord, would you help us, Lord? Would you help us, Lord? Why don't you just, where you are, even just open up your hands with me. Just open up your hands and just invite the Holy Spirit. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill me. Come and empower me this morning, Lord. Come, Lord. Lord, forgive me, Lord, at times where I've, I've lost sight of your love. Lord, forgive me at times, Lord, where we've lost sight of how much you love us. That, God, you're kind and you're merciful. And yes, you are a holy God. We know that. But you've covered us with the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, who you are. And help us, Lord, that even in view of your mercy, that you'd help us to love one another. Lord, even with our imperfections and our faults, Lord, to learn how to forgive one another. That even if there's some here today that have got bitterness or unforgiveness in their hearts, even towards others, other brothers and sisters in the Lord, or other, um, even family members or friends, or there's maybe those that have been abused or hurt. Lord, we want to ask you right now for supernatural ability to forgive and that you would release afresh that person and release them to the Lord and say, but today I choose to forgive. Today I choose to release them. Today I'm going to choose to think the best. Maybe if even someone who has is, is kind of hurt you in some way to say, Lord, today I'm going to choose to, to cover over them with love and that you will sort them out, Lord God. And Father, for us, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Oh, come and fill us. We receive your love. We receive God. We receive of you. Come and wash us this morning. Come and wash, Lord, these precious people. Come and wash them. Come and fill them. Come and empower them. We just say, more Holy Spirit. We just want more of you, Lord. We say, more Holy Spirit. We want more of you. More of you. Would you come and fill, fill your people, Lord? Come even now, Lord, for those that you'd break the banks, even of just a resistance or holding back in some ways, that there'd be an unlocking of your presence that would well up and gush up within them like rivers of living water, Father. Come and do so, Lord, we pray. Come, God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. We worship you, Lord. Oh, you're worthy of our worship. We're worthy of our worship, Lord. Worship you, worship you, Lord. Let's just take a few moments. Just worship the Lord. Just where you are, just, just in faith. Just, say, just tell him, worship you, Lord God. Precious God, worship you. We love you. Soften our hearts, Lord. Maybe even some that's here that have allowed their hearts to get hardened. Maybe some of you here that you've become indifferent. It's like you've just become a bit callous and indifferent in some areas. And you need the Lord again to soften you. Just let Him do that right now. Let Him wash you. Let Him take that, that heart of yours, in a sense, just wash it with the oil and the wine of His Holy Spirit. Calm, Lord. Calm, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you. Oh, we're in such need of you. To you are all things, you deserve the glory. Let's just sing that. He's worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. From you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. 
you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. Yes, Lord. Oh, you deserve the glory this morning, Lord. You deserve the glory. Open up our eyes to see you, Lord. Just open up our eyes to see the wonder of who you are. That, Lord, that you're better than anything else. Lord, forgive us, Father, at times where we allow other things to take our eyes off you and forget the wonder that we see other lesser lights and we forget the great light. Oh, Father, we bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Just before we, maybe just before I, I just hand over to Dion, I just want to just, is there any, are there any prophetic words, just anything that maybe, I don't want to miss anything if the Lord is maybe putting his finger on something. Anything, any of you picking up prophetically that you feel might be helpful? Sorry, I'm opening up, but I just feel like I just want to, anyone? guys you know sometimes I was, I was just reminded as you write a letter and you write yours sincerely at the end and then you write change that to yours without wax and sometimes i feel people in this body sometimes feel like they, they are more wax than granite and when the heat comes instead of standing strong they melt so i ask that you can ask god to come and make you strong in his name become granite in this church have a bit of wax because it makes us human. But don't be more wax than, hu- than granite. So we can pray into that and ask that, Lord, I just ask in your precious name that you can just come through and put your strength in us, your granite. Make us strong. Make us stand firm in your word that, that when the heat comes, when we need to stand up and speak your name, that we've got the granite in us that is you. And the wax that is us, we lay down. We thank you for this in your precious name. Very good. Yeah, I just have a, just have a sense of uh, yeah, worship in our lives. <coughs> our lives are expression of our worship to God, and I just have a sense that in when we when we worship, um, yeah, we just worship out of a place of love, like a deep love for Lord for the Lord, like. Um, because the Lord loves worship and He loves us to be in His presence. And I just had the sense that we must just worship out of that place, out of love for Him too. I just, um, as we're worshiping this morning, I I think the best way to describe it is I, I saw an open heaven and I, I felt the Lord say, like, um, I receive your worship. Um, and that was so beautiful to me. And the next moment I heard the Lord say, um, my hand of favor is upon you. Um, and I was just like, thank you, Lord. And I actually felt the Lord say, like, do you actually realize what that means? Like, my favor is upon you. Um, and I saw a, it was such a beautiful picture, actually, this morning of the shade moved. And all of a sudden, all the chairs were moved and everything was adjusted to get under the shade. And, and I saw the hand of God come down over the congregation. But there were still people that were sitting in the sun, in a sense. Like, they weren't covered by the favor of God. And... And I just felt this morning through the word that Mike brought, like actually it's such a word of repositioning ourselves to, if the, if the shadow moves, let's, let's move into the shadow, let's move into the coolness. Um, and I really feel this morning, even for some of us, we've got to actually take a practical step and decide, okay, we're going to pick up our chair, although it's comfortable here, but we're going to move closer to where the hand of God is. We're going to move closer to where the favor of God is on this congregation. Um, yeah. I just want to jump on that and then I'm going to hand over to Dion. Is just to want to ask you, even as a response to this, that if you felt God prick something in you, that even if, you, if you're honest, you know, someone once said it's the unshared areas of our lives where Jesus is not Lord. It's the unshared areas of our lives where Jesus is not Lord. And where we keep things to ourselves and we don't share those things because strength, you know, even being the granite, it comes us to being it together. You know, we find it even in our weakness, not in spite of our weakness. 
um, as we come and bring that into the light. And, and so we don't have to be strong for strong sake. We're strong as we're weak as we come to Him. And this morning, if you practically, that might mean that the Lord's asking you to open up your life. You know, do people really know? Let people love you who for you are. Take that risk. Maybe they'll just maybe they'll say, "Okay, cool. I'm in, I'm exactly the same. I know how you feel." Open up your home. Maybe there's some of you that need to learn how to. God wants to stretch you in hospitality or stretch you in what does it mean to have that brotherly love. Um, so, yeah. Just with that, um, if there is still any of you that would want um, some of the ladies to pray with you or the men to pray with you, you can please come to the front. We would love to pray with you. Um, there's any area of your life maybe God has highlighted this morning is this is some area in your life that you just want you want us to surround you and just pray with you please come to the front we would love to pray for for you all right is there anybody um and then as as we end off now um, the music will still play and then you can come to the front um, we'd love to pray with you all right so father we just thank you for this wonderful time this morning lord we thank you for the gift that you sent you brought this this message to us this morning lord um, Father, I just pray that you, your hand will continue to be over us um, as we end off now, Father Lord. And come and do what you need to do, Lord. Thank you that we can leave you a change, Father Lord. Not because of who we are, but, but because of who you are. Holy Spirit, just come and move in our lives as we open ourselves up to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for sharing your word, God's word. And uh, yeah, those that still want free, please come to the front. We'd love to pray. For the rest, there's coffee and tea. The table is there. Um, let's enjoy the rest of the time together. Thank you.